It's good to be in the house of the Lord, isn't it? I said it's good to be in the house of the Lord with the house of the Lord. I'll tell you a couple of things first before I get too distracted. Mike, it's just really good to see you. <laughs> not that it's not good to see all of you. <laughs> it's really good to see all of you. You are a wonderful looking bunch. But uh, no, it's welcome home. <laughs> just wanted to say that. We're going to get into the Word of God this morning, and we've been talking about this, this topic for a while. I pray you're not bored with the idea of kingdom. <laughs> you really shouldn't be. We could preach from here till eternity about the kingdom because that's what this is all about. <laughs> uh, we're going to take it in a, another, um, another layer today. But can I say, I just really hate dry, dead religion. Does anybody else feel that way? <laughs> Do you hate dry, dead religion? I'm talking about coming to a place, just going through the motions, doing the same old things, expecting different outcomes, <laughs> doing what we know to do, even though there's discipline that is involved in the kingdom of God and in your life. I'm not knocking discipline. I'm not knocking even routine. But what I am knocking is dry, dead religion, when there's a stupor about us and there's, a, there's just a shroud over us making us think that we have to be more like the world than we have to be like the kingdom of light, the kingdom of God, that we walk powerless or we walk and we come and we can just get together and not expect anything. Maybe it'll be good, maybe it won't. No, when the kingdom is represented in a people, when it's represented in and through us, Every time we come together, it's exciting. Every time we come together, it should be an adventure. It should be, Holy Spirit, what are you about to do? And I want you to raise your expectation this morning. I know there's going to be some hard truth that's shared today, but you know what? We're going to take it, and we're going to grow as a family, and we're going to grow into the power and the stature that Christ has for us in his kingdom. I want you to raise your expectation this morning that we're not here just to hear another sermon, but we're partaking of heaven this morning. We're partaking of the raiments that come from the Lord's mouth. Do you want to hear from him this morning? I know I do. I'm asking that the Lord speaks through me. You would say, oh, isn't that kind of odd? Shouldn't you know what you're about to say? I do in a certain sense, but I want the Lord to speak through me. If he takes my notes and throws them out the window, I'm perfectly fine with that because we need a move of God in our hearts, in our personal lives. Forget about just thinking about our nation and the nations of the world this morning. We need it right here in this box. I don't know about you, but I need a shaking in my spirit that allows me to come alive to what God wants to do. I'm tired of dry, dead religion. I'm tired of the blind leading the blind. I'm tired of the church mimicking the world more than impacting and changing the world. So how do we do that? We come into the presence of Almighty God. We come into truth. We come into the Word of God so that it changes us and sets us on the right path. Amen. Let's pray one more time as we get into the Word of God this morning. Father, we thank you for all that you are. We thank you for who you are. You truly are Lord for all the earth. You are King of kings and Lord of lords. You are King over our hearts today. You are King over every king in this earth. Every natural authoritative position, God, you are Lord over it all. You are omnipotent. You are all-knowing, God. You are omniscient. You are 
You are the God who sets us free and delivers us this morning. God, we come into you. This morning, I pray by your spirit that you would open our eyes, that we could see you in greater measure. Lord, right now, begin to break off scales from our eyes, God, so that we can see you, that we can see exactly what we need to see, even if it's different for everyone in this room, everyone watching online. Lord, let us see you in greater measure. Remove every wrong mindset and wrong idea of who you are, God. Show yourself real. Open up our ears so that we can hear what your spirit is saying, God. Right now, remove every blockage. Remove every hindrance. Remove every spirit of confusion, God, and deception so that truth can be heard and resound in our hearts to set us free and allow our hearts to be open, ready to receive revelation this morning straight from your throne, straight from your throne. We thank you, Lord, right now in Jesus' name, in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Hallelujah. We are going to get into the Word of God. I just feel prompted to, to do something. Um, I need to humble myself before you and before my daughter. Um, many of you may say, you know what? Pastor doesn't have any problems. <laughs> He's always perfect. He always responds with kindness and different things. I'm not trying to make you uh, uncomfortable, honey. I just know that on the way here in the car, I didn't respond well to you. <laughs> and I'm repenting in front of you because I want you to know that I didn't represent God well. Um, it was very simple. There wasn't anything that was major, but I just need to do this because I need to show you something. You know, I, I care about the glory of God so much that I know that if I didn't represent him well, I don't want there to ever be a rift between you and what God wants to do in your life. I apologize for being short with you. Basically, you want to know what it was? It was stupid. <laughs> we were playing Spotify in the car on the way here. I had a song selected that I wanted to set myself in the spirit right for coming in this place. She has the phone, and she has access to it as well. So she, all of a sudden, she changes it to peanut butter jelly time. <laughs> and I didn't think it was funny. Right now, I think it's hilarious. It was amazing. I just didn't think it in the moment, and I reacted in the wrong way. But the Lord's rebuking me because he knows that I need to lighten up. I mean, what am I going to do? Am I going to try to do something in my own strength? I'm going to spiritually get myself ready? No, I need to let God move. I need to lighten up and enjoy the moments that my kids are bringing. So for that, I'm sorry. I told you it was stupid. But nonetheless, sometimes as parents, as fathers, if we expect to see the kingdom of God and the authority of God to flow through us, we can't let these things slide. You may think that's something little, something stupid. You know what? It's a lot more than that. Those things build up. Those things add up over time. And so, again, honey, I love you, and I'm sorry for not making that moment as fun as it could have been. <laughs> Hallelujah. Let's just be real. <laughs> oh, Jesus. Do you love him this morning? Amen. All right, so we're kingdom focused. We're kingdom focused. And can I tell you, in the kingdom, it is anything but dry or, or lacking in joy. <laughs> Even though it's a sober thing, there's times when we do have to be serious the kingdom of God is a very serious thing. I see Jesus as one that comes on the scene and brings true freedom. 
He brings peace. He brings joy in the midst of every single circumstance. When his kingdom comes, darkness flees. And when darkness flees, there's no reason to be anything but joyful. <laughs> to be set free from a life of bondage and coming into his freedom, there's so much joy. So much joy. So we are kingdom focused. Let me read the statement of our core value just one more time and we'll dive into the new stuff this morning. We value, as Fire Family, we value commitment to advancing the kingdom of God and loyal to Jesus, our King, above all other allegiances. Amen? That means allegiances to any natural authority, even though we still respect and, and honor them, you know, as we can, as long as they're not leading us into sin. You know, we, we respect and honor those in authority. We respect and honor those that are in, in our lives, our bosses, our our. our those that we work with, children, your parents, you know, we, we have these allegiances that we have, but we respect and we honor and we revere and we are loyal to King Jesus first and foremost. He triumphs everything else. And when we come into that place of obedience and loyalty to our King, everything else works its way out. Maybe not in the way that you expect, but it comes around full circle. Every single time God is glorified, so we, we, we proclaim advancing the kingdom of God and loyal to Jesus, our king, above all other allegiances. We gladly serve in the kingdom of God. How I many of you know to come into the kingdom, it's a place of service. It's a place of serving, not to be served, but to serve. You get served in, in, in the midst of it, but our heart posture should be we're serving. We, get, we gladly serve in the kingdom of God and work to establish Christ's rightful reign in all the earth. He rules. We need to bring his rulership around us. God has given us, as his church, authority in Jesus to heal the sick, raise the dead, cleanse the lepers, drive out devils, and bring freedom and salvation to all mankind. There is no power that can prevail against the bride of Christ. We do not construct our own kingdom, but pursue unity with the local and global body of Christ in order to ensure Christ receives the reward of his suffering. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Are we those that seek first the kingdom this morning? Are we those that are about our Father's business this morning? Amen. Amen. I believe it was a couple of weeks ago we shared this scripture in 1 Peter 4 verse 1 that says, Therefore, since Christ suffered for us in the flesh, arm yourselves with the same mind. What mind? His mind, the mind of Christ. For he who has suffered in the flesh has ceased from sin, that he no longer should live the rest of his time in the flesh for the lusts of men, before the will of God. Something powerful about living for the Lord and coming into a place where regardless of what suffering we face, what adversity we face, what trial we come into, we have the same mind of Christ. That is, I continue to remain in my Father's bosom. That, that's, I remain in my Father's house. That, that's, I remain with my mind centered and fixed upon the one who is worthy of glory and honor. He's worthy of my relationship. He's worthy of my time, my adoration. Hallelujah. But I want to, to talk about something in the kingdom. If we're going to advance the kingdom of God, 
one of the main keys, and you can write this down if you're taking notes, one of the main keys for the kingdom and coming against the attacks of the enemy. Let me word it this way. Is absolute obedience. Absolute obedience. Absolute obedience is the principal method in fighting off the attacks of the enemy. But not only fighting off the attacks of the enemy, because we're not only defensive this morning, we're on the offensive this morning. Absolute obedience is what is required to advance the kingdom of God. That may seem simple, but we're going to unravel that just a little bit more. What does it really mean to obey God? What does it really mean to obey him when it hurts? What does it really mean to obey him when my flesh cries out, I want to react a completely different way? You know what I'm talking about this morning. Open up 2 Corinthians chapter 10 with me. Turn with me there quickly. I'm going to try to go through this at a decent pace because we've got a lot to cover. You can catch up if they have it on the screen. You can read along. 2 Corinthians chapter 10, verses 3 through 6 this morning. For though we walk in the flesh, we do not war according to the flesh. Amen. For the weapons of our warfare are not carnal, but mighty in God. For pulling down strongholds, casting down arguments, and every high thing that exalts itself against the knowledge of God, bringing every thought into captivity to the obedience of Christ. Verse 6, and being ready to punish all disobedience when your obedience is fulfilled. Maybe you don't have that verse underlined in your Bible. Maybe you just remembered the verses before it, but I want you to underline verse 6. Because it's saying, and being ready to punish all disobedience when, when? When your obedience is fulfilled. Your Bible says something similar. I'm confident of it. I looked at every version. It says something very similar. There's no way around it. You have to be obedient. There's no way around this. When your obedience to the Lord is fulfilled, then you are able to dismantle and disarm and completely abolish all forms of disobedience. The disobedience that tries to rule and reign in your body, that tries to allow you to go to places where your feet should never go, your mind should never go, your voice should never go, your hands should never go. All the disobedience that's wrapped up in the nature of the flesh and sin. When we obey God, it gives us the ability to walk in complete freedom. He's given us the grace to empower us to overcome every temptation. We've talked about this in recent weeks. I'm not going to harp on it this morning, but we need the grace of God. We need the grace of God. It's only by his grace that this happens. It doesn't just simply come from a mind shift, I'm going to, to obey God. Even though I hope you make that mind shift this morning. We come into that kingdom alignment. But when we come into that place of saying, yes, I will obey God in all circumstances, it allows us to punish the disobedience in our own lives. It allows us to beat our bodies into subjection, as it were. There's graphic language about this. I'm not going to make it any lighter than it should be. We need to allow this to be a serious thing in our lives. Disobedience costs you everything. Everything. And I've often said this, 
Delayed obedience is disobedience. Delayed obedience is disobedience. So in this time right now, when the world is seemingly rising up with the, the kingdom of darkness and coming full tilt into the, 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 the spirit of Babylon and, and, and the world is seemingly going straight into hell without any let up on the, on, on the, the, the fuel, the, uh, the acceleration, the throttle. We better rise up and be ready to be obedient in every season, in every circumstance. And how do you be obedient in the first place? Let me just take a step back. How do you be obedient in the first place? You have to know what the will of the Lord is. You have to know what his word says. You have to know what he's saying to you. You have to be in relationship with him in order to be obedient to him. If you're not in relationship, there's nothing to be obedient to. You're obeying yourself, and in fact, you're operating in disobedience. So without relationship, there is no obedience. Without obedience, there is no freedom. Without freedom, there is no setting the captives free. There is no walking in, bringing the kingdom of God, laying hands on the sick. It is an act of obedience. It comes from a place of not just simply doing, but out of a place of being with God and being able to see the need and feel the compassion of the heart of God, allowing the Christ in you that is greater than he who is in the world to come in and invade that space and allow the kingdom of God to invade and, and completely set apart that person from one place of darkness into the light, from one place of infirmity into a place of healing, from one place of bondage into a place of complete and total joyful freedom. Amen? Hallelujah. <clears throat> Obedience. It says, For the weapons of our warfare are not carnal, but mighty in God, for pulling down strongholds, casting down arguments in every high thing. It seems like this was about to tell you, okay, it's not carnal. It's these spiritual forces that are at work, which they are. Hear me. It's all these things that are abstract and in, in the spatial realms where the constellations are. It's far away. But basically, this is saying, no, it's right here in your mind. Every stronghold is a mindset. All these high things are, are ideologies that exalt themselves against the knowledge of God. It's mindsets. It's understanding. It's the wisdom of the age that brings us into bondage. These spiritual forces come and bring lies, and you... you if you obey or come into agreement with these lies, then you come into disobedience. But it says, bringing every thought. That doesn't give a whole lot of space, friends. Every, the last time I checked, means every. It's like the word all, all thoughts, every thought. Not some thoughts, not only the thoughts when I'm thinking about God, when I'm ready to come to church and praise God. No, when you're on your way to work, when you're in that conversation with your spouse, when you're talking to your children, every thought, when you're in that place of just mindless wandering, every thought captive in places of darkness and seclusion, every thought into captivity to the obedience of Christ. Strongholds or thought processes, mindsets, reasonings, intellectual views, imaginations, that are contrary to the knowledge and wisdom of God. These things we bring into captivity. We bring these into subjection to Christ. These heart and mind positions 
are adversarial to truth and they create the conflicts in our lives. You think conflict just happens to you sometimes, but more often than not, it's our own thinking that brings conflict in our lives. Sometimes we just simply interpret things incorrectly. We have the wrong perspective and then all of a sudden we've got a conflict when really the person that you're speaking to is like, I didn't have a conflict with you or I didn't think I did. No, we just took something wrong, and it was one thought that led into something that was never addressed. That's why this morning I had to talk to my daughter, because I can't let that go. I have to bring that thought into captivity, into captivity. I don't want that to rule in my life. These would include, but not limited to, forms of jealousy, greed, selfishness, manipulation, lust, Hatred, strife, seduction, envy. We could go on. It's in the Word of God. Read it for yourself. You'll see all of it revealed. However, Paul wrote, our obedience empowers us to stomp out these forms of disobedience. I like what James says in chapter 4 of James, Jacob, Yaakov, 4 verses 7 through 10. You could probably quote it. Therefore, submit to God. Resist the devil and he will flee from you. Draw near to God and he will draw near to you. Cleanse your hands, you sinners, and purify your hearts. You what? You dumbbell-minded. Lament and mourn and weep. Let your laughter be turned to mourning and your joy to gloom. Humble yourselves in the sight of the Lord and he will lift you up. Allow yourself to be humbled so your double-mindedness can be cast out. You can come into agreement with God. And finally, you can submit to God and resist the devil. You got to work backwards in Hebrew often. <laughs> Submit. The Holy Spirit gave this to me a while back, and it was actually about a different context. But submission, you think about the word submission. What do you have there? You've got two words, and I'm not saying that there's necessarily, this is the breakdown of the Greek this morning. This is the breakdown of Chris looking at submission. Sub. You could say sub means same. Replace that. Same mission. Submission is same mission. You come into the same mission of Christ. This will also give you freedom. This is free. Those of you that are married here, when it says wives submit to your husbands, this is not talking about coming under bondage or a place of lordship in the home. It's saying come into the same mission in your home. You come on that same mission where you are glorifying Christ, where your husband loves you as Christ loved the church and is sacrificially giving himself for you. There's a submission. There's a same mission. Okay, amen, oh me, I see some faces this morning. <laughs> I'm not trying to take away your party this morning. We need to beat the things that are in disobedience into obedience. And that is in this place right here. Submit to God. Come to the same mind, the same mission of the kingdom of God that is within you. Then you will resist the devil and he will flee from you. Because you're on God's mission, not your own. It's not just saying, oh, I submit you, devil. I submit you, devil. Who are you? No, Christ in me submits Christ in me resists you. I rest in the Lord, and so now I'm empowered to overcome you. Because he's already done it. He's rendered you powerless. He's rendered you toothless. 
Our level of authority and rulership increases, I believe, as we successfully pass through trials and adversity. We talked about this a little bit a couple weeks ago, and we've probably talked about this many times, but let's just be honest. The life of Christianity is not an easy walk. It's not an easy one. We are called to come into the same persecution and suffering as Christ. And on the outset, that looks like something that is horrible. It's horrific. We look at Afghanistan and we look at the, the church under persecution because things that have actually been going on for generations, but now we're just all of a sudden attuned to and seeing the reality of it because it's on a news cycle. Now we say, oh my goodness, there's persecution against the church of Jesus Christ. There's always been persecution against the church of Jesus Christ. And in fact, if we are not seeing persecution, I'm not saying run towards it. I'm saying what kingdom are we representing? If we're not advancing the kingdom, there will be no arrows coming at your face. You won't feel the whiz of that arrow going past your ear. And usually it won't be coming from this way. It'll be coming at your back because he's trying to catch up. Are you hearing me? First Peter chapter 4, verses 1 and 2. I read it earlier. I'm going to read it again. Therefore, since Christ suffered for us in the flesh... Arm yourselves with the same mind, for he who has suffered in the flesh has ceased from sin. Hallelujah. That means if he did it, we can do it too. That's not, that's not a prideful thing to say. That's what he tells us. That's our gift, to be able to come into that place of freedom. I'm not saying we don't have a war. I'm not saying we don't have a battle. I'm just saying that it's available for us to live in that place in him, him empowering us that he no longer should live the rest of his time in the flesh for the lust of men, but for the will of God. In essence, we know the word of God says, Christ learned obedience through the things in which he suffered. If God himself, in the form of Jesus the Son, came to earth, not with obedience, but had to learn obedience, guess what, friends? We gotta learn obedience. How many of you know when you come into the knowledge of Christ, you are born again? You're born again. You're born out of darkness into a kingdom of light. Everything is new. Old things have passed away. Behold, all things have become new in your life. You're a new creation in Christ Jesus. It's a beautiful thing, but guess what? That means that you're a new creation. You're a babe. You're a baby in Christ. Got any babies in here? It might be in the nursery. Yeah. <laughs> But babies need help, right? They need fed, they need nurtured, they need taught, they need instructed. And just like that, when we come into Christ, even though we may be zealous, we're still babes in the spirit. We have to grow and we grow through obedience. We grow through, we grow through the things in which we actually suffer. <laughs> Are you hearing me this morning? I told you that some of this may be hard, but this is truth. When we're born into the kingdom of God, we're not born as full spiritual adults. We're born as babies in Christ. We go through childhood and then manhood or womanhood in the spirit. We grow, or we should grow. How many times in scripture, I'm going to point out a couple times, do they address, don't stay as babes. Don't be as just children. Don't just have the milk of the word. Let's read this. 1 Corinthians 3, 1 through 4. And I, brethren, could not speak to you as spiritual people, but as to carnal as to, as to babes in Christ, I fed you with milk and not with solid food. For until now, you were not able to receive it. 
And even now you still are not able, for you are still carnal. For where there are envy, strife, and divisions among you, are you not carnal and behaving like mere men? For one one says, I am of Paul, and I am of Apollos. Are you not carnal? I'm not going to harp on this long, but we see the divisions among us. It doesn't have to be the church logo that we put on our car. It doesn't have to be just simply the podcast that we listen to, or whether or not we say this part of theology I ascribe to versus this one. I'm Arminian versus Calvinist. I'm this, I'm that. I'm premillennial, postmillennial, all, all these different divisions that we have. Are we not carnal when we come into these things? I'm not saying you don't come into a seek and a quest for truth. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. You be those like Bereans that search through the scriptures to find the authority of God, to find the revelation of God, that actually that revelation will be the keys in the kingdom. What Christ is unlocked, it comes through the revelation of the reading of the word of God and by the power of the Holy Spirit. It comes through revelation. But nonetheless, if these things are still among you, if there's envy, if there's strife, if there's divisions because I don't like the way the person looks at me or the way they talk about this or the way they sing or the way they sit down when they worship, you know, whatever it is, the way they took my seat this morning, you know, it's, it's the simple things, the way they changed my Spotify song. You know, it's, it's whatever it is that causes strife among you. These things, are you still carnal? You got to take the milk and not the solid food. The writer, writer of Hebrews says it similarly in Hebrews 5, verse 12. Hebrews 5, verse 12. For though by this time you ought to be teachers, meaning you ought to be leaders, you ought to know this so well that you can teach it to others and disciple others. You need someone to teach you again the first principles of the oracles of God, and you have come to need milk and not solid food. For everyone who partakes only of milk is unskilled in the word of righteousness, for he is a babe. But solid food belongs to those who are of full age, and that is those who by reason of use have their senses exercised to discern both good and evil. What does that tell you? Through a life of obedience, through a life of devoting yourself into the word of God and allowing yourself to mature, allowing your reason to be the reason of God and not in natural intellect, by that reason we have the same senses, we have the same mind, having the same mind that was in Christ, like we said in 1 Peter 4, senses exercised to discern both good and evil. You come closer to him, you chew on the word of God, get to the meat of God, you can quickly discern. What is good and evil? You don't have to pray about it. Even though some, I'm not saying don't pray. You understand what I'm saying. We should be praying without ceasing. We should pray always. But I'm saying you will know what the will of God is. You will be able to say, nope, that's evil. That is good. There's no gray area. It's black and white. It's light and darkness. Okay, so continuing as children, we've got to move on. Ephesians 4, verses 14 through 16. That we should no longer be children tossed to and fro and carried about by every wind of doctrine, by the trickery of men in the cunning craftiness of deceitful plotting. But speaking the truth in love may grow up in all things into him who is the head, Christ, from whom the whole body joined and knit together by what every joint supplies, according to the effective working by which every part does its share, causes growth of the body for the edifying of itself in love. John also talks about growing and progressing. He said, I speak to you children. I speak to you fathers. I speak to you 
as, as, as those that are growing in understanding and, and maturing in Christ. There's a progression into adulthood. 1 Corinthians 14, 20 says, Brethren, do not be children in understanding, however in malice be babes. So it's okay to have tender hearts concerning things that try to, try to rise up within you. But in understanding, be mature. In understanding, be mature. We shouldn't be those that walk around as fools, just simply going about I love the spirit and the presence and the move of God, but we should know the word of God just as well as we know the presence of God. Those things should not be mutually exclusive. They should be married together. The word and the spirit brings the kingdom of heaven. Be mature. Be an adult in Christ. Can we be adults? Can we be adults this morning? I know sometimes we don't want to. Sometimes you just want to go and splurge, right? You want, to, you want to spend what's left in the bank account just because you're tired and you feel like you deserve it, right? But then we pay for it later, right? <laughs> have you ever done that before? I'm saying, I'm looking around. I know those that have been disciplined by it and have felt the fruits of disobedience, you know that's not the way that you go. It's important to understand this growth in the kingdom, because just as children are easily influenced, so are spiritual babes in Christ. I'm commending you this morning to get into the word of God so that you not, are not easily influenced. You're not easily influenced by society. You're not easily influenced by every word that comes from a preacher, every word that comes across YouTube or, or, or Facebook or Instagram just because somebody has some sense of a platform. You get into the word of God for yourself and you can rightly understand and discern good and evil. When somebody's saying all these different things on political views, I'm not saying that we don't make a difference in standing up for what is righteous, what is truth, what is worthy of justice. We stand in those places and we bring light into the darkness. But I'm saying if we just move out of our carnal minds and have our own opinions, we are not doing anything but being babes in Christ. We need to walk as those that are mature, those that bring people into understanding. Have you ever brought anyone into understanding through an argument? Probably not. <laughs> Probably not. God has to do that. The Holy Spirit has to do that. Even in salvation, the Holy Spirit, if the Holy Spirit doesn't draw a man, he cannot be saved. There is no salvation unless the Spirit draws him. I'm not saying don't reason with people ever. No, we need to talk. We need to know what, why we believe what we believe. We need to be those good students of Scripture. But I'm just letting you know, an argument doesn't lead people into conversion 99 times out of 100. There's a select few times when there's something that happens, but it's often orchestrated by the Holy Spirit, not by our own instigation. Hallelujah. Okay. Are you catching this? Are we growing this morning? We're admonished to grow so that we can stand strong in truth. That's why Paul said, in understanding be mature in that verse in 1 Corinthians. If we can be strong in truth, we can effectively push back all disobedience like we've been talking about. I heard this from John Bevere. He said, concerning growth spiritually, physical growth is a product of time. Physical growth, you grow by default through time. You don't just automatically hop out of the womb and then you're six feet tall. Every woman said amen. It takes time to get to that place of 
physically growing into your mature body. Intellectual growth is not a product of time, even though time is a part of it. Intellectual growth is a product of learning. You have four-year-olds that are probably more mature than some 25 or 24-year-olds. <laughs> I'm not mocking. Well, I kind of am, but you understand what I'm saying. There's there, Just because you're a certain age, doesn't mean that you are smarter than another individual. Intellect comes through learning. Some people learn faster than others, all this kind of stuff, but it comes through learning. Spiritual growth doesn't come through learning either. In measure, it does, but in essence, the, the driving force of spiritual growth is a, pro, it's a product of suffering. So I'll go over those three one more time. Physical growth is a product of time. The intellectual growth is a product of learning, but spiritual growth is a product of suffering. A product of suffering. Again, referencing Jesus, Hebrews 5, 8, though he was a son, yet he learned obedience through or by the things which he suffered. Isn't it interesting, again, that Jesus didn't bring that obedience with him. He had to learn it while he was here on this earth. True spiritual growth happens not when everyone agrees with you, not when you are in the camp where everyone says the same exact thing, but when all hell breaks loose against you, when every circumstance in your life is going wrong, that's when you learn to be obedient. That's when you learn to be the one that gets closer to God and learns what, how joyful it is to suffer with Christ, to know what that pain leads us into. There's a growth that takes place. I know it's getting late, but uh, let me just summarize some things with the life of Joseph. Many of you know the story of Joseph, but I got to remind you of some things that he suffered. God made a covenant with Abraham, right? And he also extended that on to Isaac, Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. Jacob being Joseph's father. Joseph was one of the, J Jacob's 12 sons. And so there's this immense Wait, or this, this, this thought of what is being passed down from generation to generation, a covenant from God himself. All throughout scripture we see, I am the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. And so Joseph is in this line. He's the 11th son. He's not the firstborn son, but he is favored by Jacob, and he's given the coat of many colors. He's treated very favorably. Joseph's in this place, and all, because of this, all of his brothers hate him. All of his brothers want what he has. And so what happens? You know the story. They betray him. They devise this plan. They're a little bit further away from their father. And so, you know what? This is the perfect time. We see Joseph coming. Let's kill him. Let's throw him in this pit. Leave him to die. And then something else happens. While they're there, there's an Ishmaelite caravan that's going through you see the the different things that are at war and you can even see that in our culture today but I'll, I'll digress for a moment because we're just talking about this you see Joseph there in the pit and the, his brothers think you know what forget about just leaving them here to die let's go ahead and get some money out of the deal let's sell them into slavery and then he'll die in slavery best of both worlds they think that's some serious opposition in your life. Those that are supposed to love you, that, those that are supposed to have your back, those that are blood, they betray you. And so, again, you know the story. He goes into the place of, of <clears throat> being enslaved. And when you're enslaved during this time, it isn't like you're just given over to be subject to somebody and do everything that they, that they tell you to do. That's part of it. 
But in essence, slavery in that time means that you're enslaved. Anyone that you would ever be married to, your children, they would be slaves as well. It's forever. It doesn't stop. It's not for a short period of time. You're just, you're a slave. You're a slave. And so he gets enslaved and he's there. Work, he gets to, to be working in Potiphar's house. For 10 years, he works in Potiphar's house, and he grows in favor. Why? Because I believe all the while, even though he battled against the, the thoughts and the, and the wiles of the enemy that were trying to bring him into a place of agreement that I don't deserve this, this God that I serve, I should probably reject him because this is not fair. Have you ever felt that way? That your circumstance was not fair. It didn't seem like God could have anything. I forgot to mention that prior to Jacob being thrown in the pit by his brothers or sold into slavery, he received two dreams from God. Prophetic dreams that gave him a promise. And that really instigated when he shared it with his brothers that he had a promise from God. And they didn't want to bow down to Joseph. They didn't like that idea. So Joseph had a promise from God. He's thrown into the pit. He's thrown into slavery. He's in a position where he could say, God, why did you ever give me a dream? Why did you ever call me? Have you ever said, God, why have you called me and not brought it into fulfillment? Why have you called me into this relationship and I don't see the fruit? Why have you called me into this destiny, but I have never seen an ounce of it coming to pass? Joseph's in this place, and he's in a place of suffering, but you never hear him complain. You never hear him coming into agreement with these thoughts, even though I know he had to have them because he was a man. He was a man. Okay, so time passes. He's in the house, and what happens? He's gaining favor in the house. He's put in charge over all the affairs of Potiphar, and then what happens? Another temptation. Potiphar's wife gets the hots for Joseph, and she wants to seduce him. She, she wants to get him into bed, and she tries. It says in the Word of God, I'm summarizing, basically, not one time. It's every day. Every day she comes to him and tries to seduce him. We're not just talking about just some girl. This is Potiphar's wife who's probably smelling the best in all the land. She's looking good, dressed well, and walking in seduction up to here. I'm telling you, this was something that was not easy for Joseph. But he refused time and time again. He said, I will not, I will not break the loyalty and sin against my master or against God. He came into bringing his thoughts into captivity to the spirit of Christ, if I can say that. He came into the will of God. He came into the kingdom mindset in that moment. Why? Because God was training him to rule. We're talking about the kingdom of God. If you want to rule with Christ and reign with Christ and walk in the authority and the power that he has for us, we need to be trained by him. We need to walk in the places of being obedient even in the midst of suffering. He obeyed God in the midst of that place. And so, you know the story. He gets in an awkward situation, and he doesn't just say, I'm going to stay here. He runs out of that place. He flees from that place of temptation. Potiphar's wife grabs a part of his robe, and, or it's, it's caught there, and she gets it, and she cries rape. She cries foul. And so, of course, Potiphar believes his wife, and, and Joseph set, sent into the dungeon that four-foot-tall dungeon, most likely, where he's shackled and in restraint, places of iron. Now, if there was any time for Joseph 
to again say, God, why have you done this to me? This would have been the time. Let me, let me say to the, you this way. The possible thoughts for Jacob. I served faithfully for 10 years, extremely loyal, with honesty and integrity. I stayed faithful to God and his master by fleeing from sexual immorality. What is my reward for obedience? A dungeon. Why didn't I behave as many men would have and, and simply enjoyed the pleasure of this woman? If I slept with her when we were alone, no one would have known, and I wouldn't be in this dungeon. Maybe. <laughs> Agreeing with these lies would have actually brought him lower. In essence, this is where his mind would have been after that. So this is how a loving, faithful God cares for those who obey him. Why, he's not faithful at all. In fact, he abuses his servants. He, he's allowed with the wicked to triumph while I'm tormented for my obedience. He gives me a dream of leadership. I simply share it with my brothers. And what does it get me? The pit and slavery. Then I obey God and flee sexual immorality. And what is my reward? The dungeon. It seems like the more I obey, the worse my life gets. Serving God is just a big, mean joke. That would be the thought process going through Joseph. Have you ever been fighting these kinds of thoughts? Maybe in your situation today, it's, you know what, my boss. If my boss was just different, I wouldn't have this hardship at work. If it wasn't for my ex-husband, I wouldn't be in this financial mess. If it wasn't for the, the guy or girl who slandered me at work, I wouldn't, I wouldn't have lost my job and faced the threat of eviction from my apartment manager. If my parents hadn't divorced when I was young, I wouldn't be this way. My life would be normal. What are the things that we've come into agreement with? What are the things that we have said? I'm not saying these things aren't real and haven't affected you. I know the compassion in the heart of God. He wants to heal every wound. He wants to heal everything that was caused because of disobedience of the sons of man. Are you hearing me? It's not God's fault that those things happen to you. It's by God's love that we have the choice to make every single choice that we have. It's his abundant love and compassion that he allows us to walk in that place where we can freely obey him or freely disobey him. But can I tell you and remind you, the kingdom of God will never be advanced if we don't recognize that all the things that we suffer are not an end, but they are causing us to grow and mature in him. It's causing us to go and to rule and reign with Christ. Even if you don't see the very end of it yet, there will be an end. There will be a day. Even the things that you said, oh, they've died and they've gone on, and I look at history and I see God wasn't faithful in this situation. I'm telling you, God is always faithful. His eternal plan is way beyond our understanding. His ways are beyond our ways. Who can know them? Who can know them? That's not just saying, a, 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 oh, it's easy to say that. You just say that when you don't understand. In one sense, yes, but in another sense, no, I'm coming into agreement that God is God and I am not. That I obey him because he is God. Nonetheless, we know the end of the story with Joseph. He came out on the other side and God brought great, tremendous redemption. He brought that dream, prophetic dream to pass. 
He restored everything back. His brothers did bow before him. It was a beautiful and glorious story. And I'm telling you, in that same way, God will bring you into victory. If you don't faint in the midst of suffering and adversity, if you don't lose it in the midst of trial, I'm not saying you won't stumble, but if you stumble, get back up. Get back up and keep running. Get back up and keep going after the race. You've got a prize to win, a crown to attain, to be able to lay at the feet of Jesus. This is a kingdom that we are a part of. This isn't just playing games this morning. I'm talking not about dry, dead religion. We are a part of a force in the earth, a bride of Christ that is armed with armor to defeat every work of the devil. When I look at what's going on in the world, yeah, I could wonder, what part of the end times are we in? Are we in this part, that part? You probably have thought it yourself. You know, is this it? What is the church? Who is Babylon that's going to fall? All these different thoughts can come into your mind. If you don't entertain those things, that's okay. Whatever hits you, hits you by the Spirit of God this morning. You may have questions more than answers this morning. But I'm telling you, whatever you suffer, allow it to draw you closer to him. We will see victory. We will see the glory of God. We will see as many Christians in years and decades and generations past in the midst of fierce persecution have lifted a song unto God, experiencing the presence and the joy of God. I forget who I was talking with earlier uh, during this week. But those that were in the, the Colosseum when they brought Christians to be mauled by lions and, and, and different fierce animals and stuff like that, the Christians would begin to sing and they would be joyous. And there were people in the crowd that actually jumped out of the crowd to be a part of the Christians because they, they wanted what they had. They wanted what they had. Now, I'm not saying that they came into salvation. Some of them may have. But their mindset was simply, oh, if I have joy in the midst of this and I die, give myself to be a martyr, maybe that's what gives me eternal life. Maybe that's what gives me heaven. But I'm telling you, we have full understanding this morning that we have a Christ. We have Jesus who is not afar off or who is blind to the things that we suffer, but in all ways experienced everything that we will ever go through and more because he continually sees it. For every generation, he sees the hearts that turn in disobedience against him while he is making ever intercession in the throne room of heaven, crying out for there to be restoration of all things, knowing his father's plan is about to come to a glorious, glorious end and a beginning of a new chapter. He knows our situations more than we recognize. We serve a God that is glorious and powerful and sets us free in this place. If you're going through a struggle, if you're going through a trial, keep on going. Keep on going. Do not grow weary, but allow this to happen. I'll close with this and I'll ask the worship team to come. 1 Peter 5, 8 through 11. Be sober, be vigilant, because your adversary, the devil, walks about like a roaring lion, seeking whom he may devour. Have you ever felt that? Yeah, you probably experienced some of that. But it says in verse 9, resist him. Resist him. How do we resist him? What did James say? Submit to God. Then resist the devil. He'll flee from you. Resist him steadfast in the faith, knowing that the same sufferings are experienced by your brotherhood in the world. 
But may the God of all grace, who called us to his eternal glory by Christ Jesus, after you have suffered just a little while, perfect, establish, strengthen, and settle you. To him be the glory and dominion forever and ever. Amen. For those of you that are in Christ Jesus wanting to be kingdom focused, we come into the mindset that suffering is not a big deal. Yeah, it's a big deal, but it's not a big deal. The sufferings don't affect me as much as the obedience in my suffering affects me because I am being matured into the glory of Christ. I'm being matured to rule and reign with him. I am being these four things, perfected. I am being restored. I am being repaired. I am being altered. I am being completely perfected into what God has created me to be. I am being established. I am set fast. I am resolutely turned in a certain direction. I am established. I am rooted. I am fixed. Steadfastly set. I am strengthened. Strengthened to conform or, or strengthened in spiritual knowledge and power. I am strengthened in God. And finally, I am settled in that place of resting in Christ. To lay a basis for, literally settle means you erect something. When the settlers came to America, they didn't just come and say, oh, we're here, now we're done. No, they built something. They erected something. They claimed the land, and then they built shelter. The Lord will perfect us, establish us, strengthen us, and settle us. And to him be the glory forever. Amen. Would you stand with me as we close? Hallelujah. And to right alignment mentally, to make us come into the understanding, Christ's blood covers all. It brings us into freedom. We just have to obey him. All we have to do, pretty good deal, don't you think? Just obey him. Let's pray. I'm going to ask the prayer team to come up to the front. Father, I thank you so much for all that you are. Lord, I thank you, Jesus, for showing us how to live in this world. To live in this world, but not to be of it. To learn obedience through the things in which we suffer. Lord, help us to be those that carry your kingdom. That carry your kingdom with sober minds, but joyful hearts. In the midst of suffering and circumstances that overwhelm us. God, we thank you that we can rest in you. We thank you, God, that our minds can shift and we can come into freedom with you, God. We thank you that as we submit to you, the devil can be resisted and his work can be brought to null. It can be brought to nothing. It is void. That in those moments we can say, not just for tomorrow, but today, no weapon fashioned against me shall prosper. No weapon thrown against my mind can prevail. I'll bring every thought into captivity. Right now in this moment, take your thoughts captive. Take your thoughts captive and make them be subject to the obedience of Christ. Lord, we say my thoughts are yours. My heart is yours. Not my own, God. It is yours. Christ in me, the hope of glory. Lord, we surrender to you. We come into that place of trusting in you so that we rest in you. And grace continues to empower us to overcome. Lord, we are your kingdom. We are your kingdom. Let your kingdom come through us, God. Let your inheritance come through us, God.
Jesus, we thank you for the victories. Jesus, we thank you for the breakthroughs. Lord, we continue to contend. But Lord, teach us to be obedient, not be sons of disobedience, God. Jesus, help us to discern your will, what is good and what is evil. Lord, wash us and cleanse us, God, by your word and through your spirit. Lord, we surrender to you right now. We surrender to you right now. Our worship team is going to lead us in a song. But I'm asking the the prayer team to, to, to lay hands on those of you that would say, you know what, I've been in that place of suffering, but I've acted as a child. I've acted as a babe. Maybe I've even faltered between being an adult and a, and a teen or, or, or this or that. You know, you've just faltered. And we're not saying anything condemning to you this morning. We're saying we're here as the body to be joined, knitted together with one heart, with one mind, with one faith, so that you can be strengthened in your inner man and your mind can begin to overcome these battles. We want to pray in agreement with you will lead you in prayers that will allow you to declare things for your own life, to declare your freedom, to declare your agreement with the Word of God instead of the lies of the enemy. I want you to come. If you need a new sense of freedom, you need a touch from God in this house this morning. The Lord is here. The Lord is here. We want to agree with you. We want to agree with you. Hallelujah. Would you lift up the sound of worship in this house? He's worthy. He's worthy. Amen. Hallelujah.